Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Yeah. Hey, want to welcome you. Welcome those of you watching in Duval, Issaquah, and Bothell. Uh, I really needed that florist this last weekend. Uh, this last weekend, my wife and I, uh, last Sunday, we celebrated our 23rd anniversary, uh, and I just found out about that on Saturday night before the Sunday uh, that happened. Uh, I saw a gift there on the table and a card, and I was walking uh, back in after the Saturday night service at Redmond, and I was seeing that gift, and I saw the card, and there was some candy there, and I started to eat the candy, and my wife said, you can't eat that till tomorrow. And, And I'm like, well, why can't I eat it? She says, you have to wait until our anniversary. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to do. And so uh, I went right to the store, and uh, I will admit I, uh, I, I forgot, but then I eventually was able to uh, cover, cover myself on that one. Uh, this week also was a little bit of an interesting week. Uh, I finally gave up. Uh, I had been fighting a drain in my house uh, that had been clogged uh, for for quite a while. Uh, I had used one of those little plastic drain cleaners. It didn't work. Uh, Then I used uh, Drano. It didn't work. And then I got a snake. Uh, But this, I didn't get like a, I got a 15-foot snake down this drain in our shower. And literally, it was still clogged. Uh, And so uh, finally I gave up. I called uh, Rescue Rooter, their $88 Any Drain Special, something that they later regretted once they came to my house. (laughs) And and this guy uh, came in and he had this machine. It it had an engine to it. And it literally, the snake would go down in there. And it's like, you just see uh, foot after foot after foot after foot, just going way down into our drain. And uh, literally, I, I don't know how many feet he went down. And then finally, he started pulling it back up uh, uh, through the machine. Obviously, he wasn't doing any of the pulling. And you saw around this snake all this just tons of hair and gook. And it like, not just a little bit, it was foot after foot. <laughs> and, and, and so I kid you not, he had this mat and he starts tearing it off and scraping it onto there. And it becomes this, it looks like a kitten is really what it looks like <laughs> at the end of uh, uh, the day. And uh, so he, he's like, and then finally, I mean, he, even, he's a plumber and he was disgusted. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and he looks at me, and he goes, where did all that hair come from? And I'm like, I have no idea. You know? It's sort of, sort of interesting, though. It, it did take a while. It, after a while, the drain didn't stop working all at once. It just got a little bit slower and slower. 
And I didn't pay attention to it for a while and then tried a, a few things. And then finally it got to that point where it was so stuck that I realized, hey, uh, we have to do something. We were literally using one of the other showers in the house, uh, which did not endear me to my wife. I wonder why, you know? And uh, I got to that point where I realized, hey, this has just gone too far. And here's my goal here uh, today, as we wrap up this series, Too Good to Be True, is that when, when it comes to our spiritual life, that we not only won't wait till it's gone too far, where we, where we sense that there's maybe a distance where we're stuck, where things aren't working, that long before we ever get there, that we will take steps to have a, a life-giving and a dynamic faith. And that's really what we're talking about uh, today. Over the last number of weeks, we've looked at the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, uh, in this series, Too Good to Be True, we've considered uh, some of the, the topics of how, how we're not our past and how we can get past our past. And that's what God wants us to do. And how a proper understanding of who Jesus is, that if we don't have that, we're really never going to understand who we're created to be and what our purposes in this life and in the next. We considered the importance of Christian community, uh, how that's part of God's plan for that full life that's promised in the scripture. Last week, I, I, I looked at how we can have a positive personal change and how that's, that's possible, not just by getting rid of things that we shouldn't do, but by moving towards what God has called us to do. Now, if you've come every week in this series, and by the way, thanks, uh, I, I really have probably gotten more positive feedback on this series than I have uh, for a long time on any of the message series that I've done. If you just get the first four messages, you're going to miss something that's absolutely crucial. It's the, the keystone principle. It's the principle that undergirds all of this. Because you can learn good, good uh, principles, but without a sense of power that's beyond our own, it's, it's not going to really accomplish what you want it to accomplish in your life and what God wants it to accomplish in your life. So uh, the title today, Too Good to Be True, is the Too Good to Be True message of God Really Hears My Prayers. And God is, wants to actively engage with me. Now, the, this letter, this book of Colossians, it was written to a group of people who, uh, they understood prayer. Uh, they, they understood it. In fact, they prayed to, uh, to the Greek and the Roman gods before they had uh, become Christ followers. They had prayed to uh, Zeus and uh, to Aphrodite and to all the various gods. But here was a dirty little secret. They did it as a sense of habit, as a sense of hope, but they knew in their heart of hearts that it really wasn't going to make any difference. And I think for some of us, we might have maybe even strayed in that category. And if that's you today, I think God wants to pull you back because God wants to give you a perspective on what he wants to do in your life in a dynamic faith. And that comes through prayer. 
Colossians 4.2, this is the first verse. If you'll take it out of your program, uh, and uh, let's take a, a look at that. In fact, let's read this out loud together. Are you ready for that? Now, now use your, don't use your indoor voice. Use your outside voice for this one. Uh, ready, set, read. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, we're going to look at a few verses that, that go past this one. But this is really the, the keystone verse of, of chapter 4 uh, as it talks about the, this principle of prayer. And here's the truth. Almost everybody prays. Almost everybody prays. Now, I was reading in the Huffington Post, which is not a Christian theological journal, by the way. Uh, and, and in fact, it, it tends maybe a little on the other perspective, on the not-so-fond-of-God perspective. And in the Huffington Post, it was saying that 84% of people pray and believe that God answers prayer. There's a lot more people who would even consider themselves Christians. In fact, this, this statistic always blows my mind. Depending on what study you read, 5 to 17% of atheists pray on a regular basis. Literally, one person was asked, why do you pray? He said, hey, I just, just in case, you know. <laughs> so there's this sense that's been hardwired in us, every generation, every culture. It doesn't mean we're praying to the real God, but there's this sense how we want to be connected not only to other people, not only to our purpose, but there's the that we would be connected to the divine, and in this case, for those of us who know God through Jesus Christ, would say that's what we want to be, who we want to be connected to. Well, we all pray, so uh, how do we pray? I, I'm, I'm going to look at what I'm just, just for fun, calling it good, better, best prayer. A good prayer is what I call help in a crisis. Uh, almost every one of us will pray when we're in a crisis. I've shared this before. I think I was going over Blewett Pass or something when I was in high school, and I decided in my VW Bug to pass a semi up a hill. Not a really good, you know, with all my 16-year-old wisdom, I did that. And then another car comes the other way, and I'm going around, and I can't quite make it around, and literally I did the only thing I knew what to do is I held on, closed my eyes, and prayed. And I made it on the other side of the semi. I don't know how that happened. Whenever we're in a crisis, it's natural for us to pray. And by the way, that's not bad. That doesn't mean, that's not JV prayer. We see that again and again uh, in the scripture. In fact, the most common kind of prayer is uh, a prayer of petition that we find in the Bible. Uh, there's a modern sort of movement in some Christian circles to say, oh, you really shouldn't pray that way. Well, if it's the dominant kind of prayer in Scripture, I think that that's probably a legitimate kind of prayer. Well, the better prayer is what I would call seeking wisdom. And uh, this is, the, God, what should I do? Some of you are praying for that right now. God, uh, what, should I take this job or not? God, is this a time... To, to sell my home. God, should I, uh, you know, maybe take a step of faith and, and start serving or even leading in a ministry? Should I start dating this person 
uh, or not. I mean, I pray for wisdom because every once in a while I have two girls and they bring home a boy and sometimes the boy I don't necessarily think is worthy of my daughter. So I pray, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I want to treat him nice. Let me know what to do, where to put the body. These are kind of things that I <laughs> ask of the Lord on a very regular basis. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so the best kind of prayer, and, and, and I say this because I really do believe it's the best kind of prayer because it includes the others, is developing a dynamic faith. This is the kind of prayer uh, where you're not only looking for that thing, for that help, for that wisdom, but for the giver of those things in a relationship with God. See, uh, for, for me, that's what I want more than anything else. I know that God doesn't have to answer yes to all my prayers. And in fact, I know that God shouldn't answer yes to all the things I ask for. And sometimes even the good things, I'll talk about this in a moment, He'll, I won't get the answer I want, and, and, and it seems like it's a good prayer, and God should have answered it, and there's some things I'm not going to know this side of heaven. And I've come to terms with God is uh, uh, all-knowing, omniscient. And so for some reason, there are some prayers that he doesn't give me the answer that I want. But I want a God who can answer my prayers. Because then I can fully and completely trust him. I've shared before the very first prayer I ever prayed. I remember it. It was my first job, too. I was, uh, I think I was 14 or 15. I was uh, working. I had a job. I don't know how I got it. Probably lied about my age. But uh, I was working at Melody Mobile Homes on South Tacoma Way. I knew with starting there, with that career path, I would go far. And uh, I washed the mobile homes, and that's what I did. And you know what I prayed? God, get me out of here. No, I didn't pray that. <laughs> I, I, I prayed. I probably should have prayed that. <laughs> I said, God, if you are real, will you show yourself to me? Because at that point, I was very unconvinced if God was real. If you've been around here, you know my story. I don't come from a faith family. I don't come from a church. Not Christmas, not Easter, not ever. From sort of a secular Jewish family, and we weren't even that. And other parts of my family sort of thought we could all become gods or, you know, meet the great space alien in the sky. And so it just seemed just like too much to me. But, but even at a young age, it was hard for me to believe that there wasn't some sense and purpose in creator. In fact, it's interesting, and I did, I did a message this, this summer. Uh, in fact, one of the people who shared his faith on a, on a video was uh, the one who runs the National Institutes uh, for Health. How later in life he, as a scientist, said there has to be a creator. There has to be someone there. Well, the question is, okay, so, so there is a God, and I, I believe that, and I would posit that, and almost everyone would believe that. But how do I develop my own dynamic faith in this God and engage him in this activity that's prescribed in Scripture? Now, I've shared before that I'm a good Bible reader. 
I, for me, I love reading the Bible. I was challenged 30 years ago, read five chapters of the Bible a day. And, I, and I'm not saying you have to do that. I, if you do one, I think that is great. But I, 30 years ago, I've done that almost every day for 30 years of my life. Prayer is that realm that is honestly, I think, some of the most difficult, but some of the most powerful time that we spend with God. Well, the first thing we need to do is to decide to engage. Uh, this means that we're going to engage with God, and it's not just out of uh, routine, that we really believe that as we engage with God in prayer, as we talk to God, that's all that prayer is, that, that He is there. Sometimes we get caught in these wrote prayers. One mom shared this true story. Uh, you know, she, uh, uh, she, her little girl was praying uh, the prayer. Uh, now I, and the little girl was tired. And she goes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> if he hollers, let him go, you know? And she literally is sort of like, hey, you know, these sort of sound the same. Do we really... Say, come with expectation. When we do, we can follow Colossians 4, 2, where it says, devote yourselves to prayer. See, when you devote yourself to something, what you're really doing is you're saying, I'm going to do it as a habit or a discipline. So the, the best things in our life come when we say, hey, it's not just in the moment when I'm in a crisis, but I have that discipline of, yeah, daily I'm going to set aside some time for, for prayer. I'm a morning person, so I do that in the morning. I'm going to talk about how, 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 sort of how to do that for those of you who haven't been in that habit. If you're not a morning person, maybe it's in the afternoon. Maybe it's in the evening. Where you, and, and it's not you, you need to, don't need to spend an hour or two hours. But you just say, hey, God, I just want to talk to you about a few things. You know, the, one of the most revolutionary things that Jesus did is he changed the vernacular when it came to how people uh, engage with God. In uh, Jewish culture of the day, uh, people, when they talked about God, they would talk about God as father. You'll find that in the Old Testament, but it was never a personal father. It was like a father of a nation. Jesus, he changed the language, and it was really scandalous to Abba Father, which is like a daddy, a personal father. And so when he was teaching people how to pray, the first thing he did is, is look at, talk to God as you would a father who loves you and cares for you. And, and when, we, when we get that right about God, then I think prayer becomes a little bit more natural. And then we say, okay, I'm gonna, every day I'm going to talk to my dad, to my father, God. And like I said, it's a discipline. It's like, you know, you go to, you work late because uh, you want to get ahead at work. It's a discipline. You just decide to do it. You go to the gym. Uh, you show up to your kids' play. I remember my uh, youngest daughter, I remember it clear as day, she had a recorder concert. You know the recorder instrument that they learn in elementary school? And I went to that recorder concert because I love recorder music. <laughs> Nobody loves it. Sorry if, you're, sorry if you're an elementary music teacher. 
I love you, you're doing a good thing, but let's face it, no one loves recorder music. And it, it wasn't about that moment or that activity. It's because I love my daughter. And uh, so I wanted to be there. And, and more, if, if my heart isn't there for God, not by as someone else judges it, by the way. And can I say, a little aside, stop, don't judge someone else's heart for God. You have, the Holy Spirit is the judge, and God has not outsourced that to you. Someone may worship God in, in, in a way, you know, they, they might they might have a different rhythm, but if they're putting Jesus up front, then encourage them towards Jesus. So it says this, it says it in Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then we're given the example of someone who would be uh, sort of a prayer warrior. That's the language I heard uh, after I became a Christian, someone who really loves to pray. There are some of you who have a special gift of praying and praying uh, for others. One of those people was Epaphras. It says, Epaphras, uh, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and uh, Kansas. No, just kidding. <laughs> Heropolis. So uh, it, he's saying, I'm praying. I'm working. I want the best for you. Dedicate yourselves to prayer. Now, now, what does that look like? Uh, I've used this before, this, uh, the word pray, to help us give a grid to understand how we do that. Uh, and then quickly, for those of you who have maybe not heard this before, because you think of prayer and you say, well, what do I talk to God about? Uh, I, I use the word pray, and for the P, I think of the word praise. I start with, God, you are, uh, you are worthy. I thank God for uh, who he is. And what he's done. In fact, uh, ancient Jewish people, they would have, they were to do 100 praises and thanksgiving, barakas, and they would praise God. I, I, I you know, that's a lot, a hundred things to praise God for. Maybe just a few things for us. And then there's repent. I think it's always good to come to God and say, hey God, this is where I've blown it. He knows it. Uh, if, if you don't know where you've sinned, ask someone you, where, who you live with. They'll tell you how you've sinned. But here's the great news. It says in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then ask. Ask God for what you uh, need. And then for the why, yield. This is where we say, not my will be done, but your will be done. As we come to God, the, the truth is, is that it'll take a little bit of focus. And part of that is to, number two, pray before a crisis hits. It says in Colossians 4, 2, to being watchful. And then it, it, Ephesians, which is in many ways a parallel to Colossians. Uh, by, by the way, this is a little Bible reading tip here. You wonder, uh, some, some who are skeptical of the Scripture 
will say, well, you know, uh, Ephesians and Colossians are a lot alike. Well, if they're written by the same person about the same subject to new Christians who are dealing with the same issues, wouldn't it make sense that the letters to these different people would be similar? To me, it actually shows uh, that it really is uh, God working through the Apostle Paul. And so in Ephesians, it'll expound a little bit on some of what we find in Colossians. It it says this in Ephesians 6.18, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. That uh, we're to pray before the crisis hits. And then number three, thank God for answered prayer. One of the things that's been helpful for me is to actually keep a list of things of people that I'm praying for. I keep it on my uh, phone, under my notes, and uh, that way when something comes up and I say I'll pray for someone, I actually write that. And you know what else that does? That helps me when I look back at that to understand how God has answered prayer. In my growth group uh, uh, on Wednesday, was praying with some of the guys in my growth group. One, one of the people had a, a presentation to a large group of executives in the big corporation where he serves, and he sort of got a position of great responsibility as well. And, and he was having a few jitters about it. And I, I said, hey, let's just pray for you. And so we all prayed for him, you know, right there in Panera, and we stood up and prayed loud. No, we didn't do any of that. Uh, just, just prayed for him and said, God, will you give him peace? Will you give him great memory? And, and he, Anyway, he said it was the best business meeting of his career, best presentation. And is it because of the prayer? I think there was a sense where maybe he was more open to God's leading. Does God always bless in that way? He doesn't have to. But if you never go to him and ask, you'll never find out. See, a lot of us, were like, ah, I don't know if God's going to work that way, and so I never try it. And he uh, texted me and said, you know, that, uh, that was one of those pivotal moments in my career. It says in Colossians 4, 2, uh, and to be thankful, that we're, we're to be thankful for what God has done. I, I met uh, another pastor at a conference, so probably about 10 years ago. His church is like ours. Uh, we have uh, a, an orphanage that we uh, own and operate, run in Haiti, and of course we support other orphanages around the world as well. Uh, one of the orphanages that his uh, church supports is in Tecate, Mexico. Uh, now, now they are, we support ours fully and food and everything, and th- their church is only able uh, to give partial support. But and so what happens is that that orphanage actually has gone from time to time where things have been a little bit dicey. Uh, one time they, you know, they were running low and, and, and the director got the kids in and to pray. And so they prayed for food and they saw just miraculous provision that the uh, Bimbo's Bakery, uh, which is one of the largest bakeries in the area, uh, one of the drivers of the trucks uh, just said he felt led by God to uh, drop off all the bread that wasn't used that day. And so they used that, which is sort of funny because they, they still to this day call it the bimbo miracle. And the, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of jokes there and I'm not going to go there. So, uh, but it was just a way, and, and another time 
there was a driver with, uh, who had a bunch of chickens. And he, same thing, said he felt led by God to, to give the chickens to the orphanage. And so he dropped off 300 live chickens. Uh, yeah, true, you know, and true story, they, they didn't have any uh, chicken coops or anything like that, but they did have a lot of freezers. And so there were so many chickens that they literally had to uh, enlist the children to help to slaughter the chickens and to put them in the freezer. And so they taught the kids, you know, how to slaughter the chickens and pluck the chickens, and they put them in uh, the freezer. Uh, true story, a week later, though, the, it was summer and then school started up, and uh, they had a new teacher in their school, and the teacher asked the kids to draw a picture of what they did this summer. <laughs> uh, and most of the kids from the orphanage <laughs> drew all these chickens, because it was exciting to them with blood spiting from the head, and all. they're like, oh, what is this, you know, the Stephen King School for Children? Uh, <laughs> but but here, here's, here's the, the point of this, is these kids still didn't have a mom or dad. They still were orphans, still living sort of week to week. But they learned to be thankful to God for the provision that he was given in that moment. Now, I don't want to step on too many toes here, but is it like you and me to think of where God is not provided instead of where he's provided? that God has provided you, you say, well, you know, I really want this relationship. And you know what? Hey, we, that's, that's wonderful. Instead of saying, yeah, God's provided you friends and a place to stay and a church and resources and a job. Doesn't mean that other need is not important. But maybe we should start going down the list of every place that God has blessed us. And I think there's something that happens supernaturally where God opens up our heart for more blessing. Does he owe it to you? No. Do we see that happen a lot? Yeah. Yeah, we, we really do. And I know as uh, I say this right now, I'm talking to some of you and you've prayed for a miracle. That didn't happen. You prayed for a loved one and the cancer got worse and you lost them, you prayed for a job and it has not been on the horizon, you prayed for some of the demons that you wrestle with in your own mind and, and health has been elusive. So, so what do you do with that? You know, I was thinking as I, as I was looking in the Bible and particularly, I, I've, I've preached on prayer so many times. I was thinking of the unanswered prayers in the Bible. You know the Apostle Paul who wrote this? He said at one point, I prayed three times, and it's not like three two-second prayers. This would have been extended times of prayer. He talked about this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. Some people think it was uh, physical blindness or uh, some area of temptation where he struggled with and gave into again and again. We don't know what it is, and I think that's good because otherwise we'd say, oh, that's that. God can't do that for me. But he came to this point, and he didn't say, God, I like this. But he said, your grace is sufficient. 
Your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough when you say no to good prayers. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. You think about where this letter was written. You know, we, we think about the prison epistles, and we think of, you know, some, you know, sort of like the Marriott version of prison. No, think of the third world version of a horrible prison. And see, the Apostle Paul, as you read through the Scripture, do you know what he wanted and he asked God for? He wanted to go to Rome, and he wanted to preach and tell people about Jesus. He's not asking for something bad, is he? And God didn't give him that. Instead, he was in prison, and he never got out. And I don't know why. Maybe, you know, Paul was just too sort of ADD that he knew that the only way he could get him to sit down and to write these letters would be through this horrible circumstance. And that's why he allowed it to happen. But, and my guess is Paul in his lifetime could never tell you why God didn't answer that prayer. But the scripture that we read today, I think we would agree, that has influenced billions, literally maybe tens of billions of people over the last number of years, has been even more significant than those six months that he wanted to tell people about Jesus. And God said no, and he never understood why. And, and that leads to number four in all this, is that we have to pray for our agenda and for God's agenda as well. See, if, if you want a dynamic faith, you need to ask for both. Uh, Rick Warren says this, one of my favorite authors and pastors. He says, if I can't ask God to bless what I'm doing, then I better do something else. Boldly ask God for success and get this, and then let him define success. I, you, as a pastor, too, I mean, God doesn't owe me anything. He, he doesn't know, you know, my theology, my understanding of God is that if I paid the price for my own sin, I would be in trouble. But I want, I ask for his blessing in my personal life. I ask for blessings for our church. And not that, yes, that we would grow and continue to grow, but that we would not only grow wider and deeper and we would experience God's grace. And I wish I could tell you the stories. There are some stories I can never tell you because I have to protect the people in this church of how God has worked miracle after miracle of restoration. Some of the deepest miracles that we happened in this church you have never seen. And I know you see them like on the screen last week and you say, that's a big one. There's even bigger ones that God would do. See, it's okay to, to pray for big, bold things. I was talking to a pastor uh, not too long ago. So, and, you know, I get the opportunity to coach pastors and, and uh, this pastor of a, a smaller church. And I pastored real small churches, nothing wrong with that. And uh, I, I said, hey, you know, uh, sometimes I coach and people actually hired me to do that. I said, hey, I just, I do it for a cup of coffee and I'll help you if there's anything I can do because I want to see if we all win, if every church becomes full in this area, God wins. And he goes, ah, I don't know if I really you know, want a church that would grow. 
that big or anything like that. Saying, would you want to reach people? Yeah. Do you want them to know Jesus? Yeah. Do you want to love them? Yeah. Do you want them to be discipled? Yeah. Here's the problem. If you reach people for Jesus, you love them, you care for them, you teach them how to follow Jesus, those people keep on showing up week after week. You can't get rid of them. See, sometimes we're so fearful to pray those bold prayers. God, would you do a miracle? I wish I had time, and I don't have time, to recount even in our own history. I was reading a little bit about our history, just tell you this glimpse. The worst time spiritually in this nation. You think this is a worst time? I know some of you freak out about it. Not even close. After the Revolutionary War from 1770 to 1790, it was a time where they did a, a survey at Harvard University during that time, couldn't find one person who would call themselves an evangelical Christian. And, and there were a bunch of people, and, and, and there were... I'll tell you the story some other time. There were clubs of people who literally, uh, that their goal was a profanity club to see how much profanity and blasphemy they could include in everyday speech. I think that's making a bit of a comeback, though. <laughs> and there were a group of people who said, you know what, God can, God can change people's hearts. And it literally changed our nation. Colossians 4, 3 through 4. It says, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. You know, as I was doing my study of Scripture, I was studying all the unanswered prayers. And I was reminded as we're you know, sort of planning for a big Israel trip next year. And one of the places you get, you know, you get to go and uh, the places, we're not sure. Some of them we know their exact places. Some we're not sure. But you're in, in the garden where Jesus prayed. And I think that was the greatest unanswered prayer in the world. Where Jesus says to the Father, If it's possible, take this cup from me. Jesus knew what death was, and it was a real death. And he said, if there's another way, I don't want this to happen. But there wasn't another way. There wasn't another way for us to be redeemed and restored and forgiven and freed. And so Jesus says, not my will be done, but your will be done. You you need to understand this if you're going to engage in a dynamic faith and prayer is God's ultimate goal is always our redemption. And really, what we're going to do now is we're going to be reminded of that. Uh, Here on this campus and our other campuses, we're going to celebrate communion together, and uh, we're going to have that time where we remember what Jesus has done for us.